0: He can cut this out. What did we decide on uh, uh
1: We decided along for the ride.
0: You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and adult rom-coms. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, and I apologize if I sound horrible. It's because I have COVID. Aww. Uh, recording with me as always is my other co-host
1: uh i am martin hayman adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast
0: and uh well i know how i am but how are you doing today (laughs) martin i hope better than me
1: (laughs) i I, certainly certainly feeling better i am so sorry martha i hope you feel better soon Um, that's
0: okay this is this is one of those risks for working with working with the public Um, and also serves as a reminder to all of us that the pandemic is still ongoing and even though some of us, myself included have been desirous of uh, easing back on our precautions, that it is probably a mistake to do so Mm -hmm. Uh, PSA over, let's talk about Christmas movies yeah uh, we are talking today about the 2023 Netflix, not Netflix, Freevee original, Xmas, uh, written by Dan Steele, directed by Jonah Feingold, and starring Leighton Meester as Allie, Robbie Amell as Graham, Michael Hitchcock as Dennis, Catherine Greenwood as Jeannie, Veronica Slowakowska as Mindy, Stephen Huey as Elliot, Thomas Kedrow as Brady uh, Donna Benedicto as Jess and Daniel Bacon as Mr. Tusk uh, this is the story of Allie and what did I just and Graham, Graham. who were uh, engaged to be married and then broke up and now uh, Allie finds herself alone on Christmas uh, Graham is planning to stay in la uh because he works for a video game company and is in crunch time so he calls his family and lets them know that he won't be home for christmas so in a truly unhinged move uh Allie goes to graham's family's house for christmas which Graham discovers when he rearranges stuff so that he can actually be with his family comes home and discovers that his ex fiancee is already there. Um, The two of them decide, well, the two of them sort of subtly, not subtly uh, covertly engage in a competition of wills uh, to see who gets to quote unquote, win the family time, uh, and in the process, uh, rediscover their affection for each other and actually hash out why they broke up in the first place. Um, The climax of the movie happens around a family hockey game where Graham's father suffers a heart attack, uh, and everybody has sort of a realizing what is truly important um, in their lives Graham quits his job, ultimately, with the video game company, and he and Allie reunite. Um, did I miss anything important?
1: Um, I think you got all the major beats. Uh, I I will just underscore, it is actually, they explicitly dare each other to, or bet each other that the other will get kicked out by Christmas Day. Um, so they are ah, yes. they are explicitly, they explicitly have are trying to get the other to be asked to leave uh, by Graham's family. Um, I think it is also worth noting, it, it is also stated that Allie, um, her mom has passed away, and her dad is with his young new girlfriend in Hawaii, um, which is why she was going to be alone over the holiday. I think her sister was with her in-laws. So, and so her ex-in-laws-to-be invited her because they knew she was going to be alone. Um, And one through line that also happens throughout the movies, we see that Allie has stayed very close to his family and is actually, uh, in many ways, more connected to his family than he is. She is still, like, regularly calling and FaceTiming them and is still very much in their lives, even though... Uh, she lives in Los Angeles, and they live in Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, tr- kind of unhinged behavior. Um, that is explained away by they have been engaged for five years, or been together for five years before they broke up. Um, and I think Graham's dad has a line about, uh, you know, she she has been in our life this long. Like, she is family now. Um, which, yeah, is... Uh, when you take a step outside the confines of the movie is, uh, not necessarily, uh, uh, always seems appropriate. Although I will say, I, I do think that, like, the implication here is that they never intended, they always intended to continue having a relationship with Allie on their own terms and not involving Graham. That, like, Graham getting re-involved and getting between them was kind of accidental. Um, well, and in fact, explicitly accidental, because they thought he would not be coming. So it it is a little more, it is unhinged behavior, but it also, like, in the context of the movie, kind of makes sense. So yeah, I think those are the only things I would add.
0: I appreciate that helping me fill in. Let us start there. And I'm going to preface this by saying I did have fun with this movie. Like, We will get into that in more detail, but from a real-world point of view, maintaining a close social relationship with your ex's family is unhinged behavior, (laughs) yes? Like, I'm not crazy in thinking that that is, like, not something that feels appropriate,
1: yeah, I I okay, I think I think I'm holding two thoughts at one time. I think the thought one I would I would hold is that it is not typical behavior and and can often be unhealthy. Um and thought two I would hold um is that I I think that it is possible to to maintain a relationship uh with those you were connected to through an ex like independently as long as you are not, like, putting that in the middle. So I, I do think it can happen. Um, I, in fact, witnessed this summer my grandmother tell one of my uncle's ex-wives that she would always still be her daughter, <laughs> um, even though she and my uncle have not been married for, I think, my whole life. Um, so I, I do think it is possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think it is uncommon. And I think it is uncommon for a reason. Uh, the reason being that I think it lends itself, um, to you know not being able to respect the ex's boundaries, and like it it, it can set up potentially very charged situations, which is why I think it doesn't happen often. Um, so yeah, those are I the two thoughts. About it. I, those are the two thoughts I maintain at the same time.
0: Well, and part of me is like adults have the right to maintain their own behavior, their own relationships. Um, But I would be lying if I if I did not feel that if that happened to me, like, like if I found out that my parents were still socially involved with somebody that I broke up with, especially if I'm on Robbie's side and I was the person who got dumped Because I I think that the fact that Allie is the one who ended their relationship in the first place also should matter. Like, I would feel bad about that. Oh, yeah. Um, I do also understand that we are working in rom-com movie rules. So some of that has to be alleviated just because those are different romantic rules that we are sort of operating under. well
1: Um, well, and i think what i I did have
0: to take a moment and just sort of separate myself from that feeling
1: oh yeah no absolutely and i i think what actually is truly the most problematic behavior is that they did not they they kept it hidden they lied about it they weren't like hey just so you know like Allie is part of our lives we are not like gonna like we will make sure that you know, we, we will respect your boundaries and like make sure you guys aren't in the same place. Although, haha, that didn't happen. happen. But you know, that they didn't have a conversation about like, Hey, just so you know, we are going to be maintaining a relationship with Allie. You know, we, we obviously still love and care about you and want your boundaries to be respected. Like to me, the like lying about it is like the worst part. Um, so that oh, it was, for sure, because that, that, was, that like, tells that tells us him. that
0: they, yeah, that tells us that they knew that Graham would be bothered by it,
1: right, right, um, yeah, and I think yeah, just the like, um, yeah, the secrecy about it is is I think what's what's most problematic, um, because yeah, I I do think, and I guess I don't know, um. I, I do, to me, it makes sense that, like, she was in their family for five years. Like, she's not just going to go away. um, And that they still all do get to have a friendship with her. But they also still need to, like, you know, make sure Graham knows that he's a valuable member of their family and make sure that he's not put in situations he's uncomfortable with. You know, like, I, I think that, yeah, it's just all about, like, that open communication, uh, I think, is really what's lacking here. which. Um you know, considering this movie is about mostly a bunch of Minnesotans, it doesn't surprise me that it's not. But
0: <laughs> uh that, that's true.
1: I, I say as a Minnesotan. Uh so yeah, but no, it is I mean, it is truly I I think everyone can I, I think most people can be like, oh, why would you want to maintain a relationship with, like, your ex's family? And I think in this case it's like, well, I think they give us just the barest enough of excuse of, like, clearly, like, her mom is dead and her she doesn't have a close relationship with her dad. And and we do see she has a pretty close relationship with her sister in the first scene, so. But we can certainly see that there's, like, a family-shaped void in her life.
0: um, For sure.
1: Yeah, so um all right well now that i brought it up i've got to uh do my uh due diligence as a minnesotan and and do my laundry list of uh what they got wrong and what they got right
0: (laughs) get into it
1: yeah so now now it's time to play the game of uh correct minnesotan or not (laughs) Uh, So things they did get correct, I was very pleased that there were multiple references to past high school hockey uh, teams. That seems very accurate. Um, And I was also glad that they, like, did, like, they, the everyone played hockey and, like, they went out ice fishing, although, oh, my God, that looked so dangerous. Like, the lake that they went ice fishing on, I was scared for them. I was like, that ice yes. does not look thick enough. Like, what are you doing? Um, so I did appreciate that. Those little subtle Minnesotanisms thrown in, I think that, that was accurate. Um, I did appreciate that there seemed to be a lot of pine trees. I'm sure this was shot in, like, Vancouver. Uh, but I did appreciate that, because Minnesota does have quite a bit of pine. Um what was, it? I feel like there was one other small Minnesotanism that was like, oh, somebody Googled something. Oh, uh, what was it? Mm, it'll come to me. Um, but yeah, oh boy. Okay, now I pull the, putting the arms back here. Uh, things that are not Minnesotan. Drinking Heineken. My God. Um, Also, the hockey rink they went to, there were no advertisements whatsoever around the hockey rink. Um, That would not happen, um, having been in several uh, small-town Minnesotan hockey rinks. Um, Their parents reference. I'm going
0: to go out on the limb on that one and just guess it's because they had to borrow someone else's hockey rink. That was not their own hockey rink that they could decorate for a set
1: (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah absolutely but yeah no an authentic and i I assumed my assumption was this was like vaguely in the orbit like this was like a twin cities exurb like was kind of my assumption they were pretty uh non-committal about what area of minnesota it was in but just like based on the house they were in and stuff my guess was this was supposed to be like a twin cities exurb And how quickly they seem to get to the airport. Um, But yeah, no. There would be advertisements for local businesses. That rink would not be. There would not be white walls on that rink. What was the other thing? Oh, the parents reference going to the U of M. Nobody in Minnesota calls it the U of M. They call it the U. There is an assumption if you talk about the U, you mean the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. There's no, there, you, you call it the U. You do not call it the U of M. Um, that one
0: I'm also going to go, I'm going to go ahead and guess that that one is also to make sure that we, the audience, know that they're in Minnesota. Because not everybody can be a Minnesota scholar the same way that you and I can.
1: I know. I know. But just would not be how Minnesota, we'll talk about it. Um, and then what was the other thing they did?
0: They're drinking Heineken's. Oh, yeah.
1: No, no, no. No Heineken's. Come on, people. Where was the grain belt? Where was the grain belt? Oh, also, they kept, like, talking about going to the airport, but they never referenced, like, going to the cities, which is, I think, how most people would talk about it. Um, And, again, just, like, not, I feel like the distance to the Twin Cities is such a prominent aspect of minnesotan life that like the fact they were never clear about like how far that was or where they were anyway so those were those are my minnesotan gripes
0: so people take note out there when you are making your minnesota movie burn is available to consult <laughs> her fees are very reasonable i'm always and she she can guarantee you a sense of that good Minnesota accuracy.
1: Exactly. I am happy at all times to to bring the Minnesotan authenticity. Uh, I I will happily uh, be. I, have you ever seen? So there's a, a recurring bit in Colbert called Accent Off, um, and they have one. They have a little sketch that is called like Accent Off Minnesota Style. And it's Maria Bamford and then uh, Colbert Staffer, who is also from Minnesota, and is also a McAllister graduate. Um, and at the end, they I so appreciate it. I think I read an interview with one of them about the sketch. And at the end, they clink uh, grain belts. Um, but if you look closely, they are clearly, based on the bottle shape, is clearly a bottle of high life because, um, you know, High Life has pretty specific bottle shapes. And in the interview, they talked about it and they were like, yeah, no, I insisted that they be grain belts, and I made them, like, print out grain belt labels, but, like, all we had a bit readily available were High Lifes, so that's why the bottle shape w- was weird. And I will bring that level of attention to detail to your production.
0: So, yeah, you can reach us uh, at dydyhpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Lauren's um, rates are very reasonable. And, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, reach out.
1: Yeah. So, that is my, <laughs> uh, as, as a resident Minnesotan, that is my, uh, that is my uh, Minnesota-based critique. Um,
0: but Love a, to see it. Thank you.
1: Uh, But overall, I thought this movie was pretty charming. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think Robbie Mel and Leighton Meester had nice chemistry, um, which I'm a little shocked based on. So I just, okay, I don't know if you saw this. I want to say it was in Vanity Fair. Uh, Someone in Vanity Fair had the smart idea to have uh, Leighton. I never, it's Leighton, right? Leighton Meester.
2: Um, Yes
1: to have an interview of her by her husband, Adam Brody. Um and they actually they like published so they basically like published a conversation between Leighton Meester and Adam Brody. And during it, uh it is actually revealed that she never like she had never seen Love Actually or The Holiday and she doesn't actually she hasn't ever really actually watched rom-coms. Um which I thought was really in- which I kept thinking about while I was watching this movie and I thought was really interesting that she confessed to like not being a rom-com person and not really being familiar with the genre um because I think she did a really nice job of like having like kind of a wacky zany
2: energy Yeah, I thought she
0: was fun. I thought she brought a lot of charm to a character that does not behave in a way that uh I find particularly she's not she's not making great choices but Leighton Meester is a pretty inherently charming person um and she it's not like it's not, I, I don't think that either she or Graham is being painted as more of like being in the right I think they're both on pretty equal footing um and i really liked i particularly really liked the scenes later in the movie when they are kind of hashing out um what happened during their breakup and like what were the things that kind of built up that led to Allie breaking it off uh in the first place
1: yeah and i i think they did a really nice job like showing Um, and not, uh, honestly, not just telling, like, showing us, like, how, um, you know, Graham wasn't being emotionally available for her and being a supportive partner, but then also, like, giving him his piece. And, like, I think it really, like you said, it treated neither of them as, like, the villain, you know, it really kind of, it it felt very well-rounded in terms of, like, oh, okay, yeah, you can kind of see why this happened and see everyone's point of view which I think doesn't always happen.
0: No, and I know we definitely have talked about movies before on this podcast that have not handled these sort of wacky shenanigans. They have not balanced the wacky shenanigans with the emotional beats very well, and I did think that this one did a good job. Um it is a it's a Christmas holiday movie. Uh, so it has that very kind of fluffy, wacky feel. Um, but I, I also thought that both Amal and Meester do a really good job holding the emotional core of the movie together. Um, I think that Hit Graham's parents are maybe a little too two-dimensional wacky, but that's always true, I think, in rom-coms <laughs> that involve parents. Um. <laughs> And Jeannie is very, uh, Minnesotan in her sensibilities. <laughs> I did feel like if I met Jeannie at a family reunion, uh, that would make sense to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I gotta say that, uh, Jean' dress she was wearing, I was like, listen, as someone who girl grow- who lived in small town Minnesota in two in in two thousand seven, I didn't even still see mom's wearing that very 90s dress like come on now yeah i think that was pretty funny um also funny considering like weed was just legalized in minnesota so i really enjoyed that whole sequence of her accidentally feeding them uh weed cookies (laughs)
0: yes
1: (laughs) yeah and although
0: shame on her for putting in putting a mystery ingredient oh no it was the butter
1: yeah no it she she very understandably thought it was regular butter it was like small and small letters on the side thc
2: although
0: i so i do not partake um
2: i'm doing a little bit
0: Okay, so it is the THC that makes you silly. Yeah. I had a moment of, is THC the part of weed that would do this to you? And since I am not an imbiber, I did not know for certain, but the three seconds of Googling I just did tells me that that is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, along with that, I think this movie had really nice hijinks in that they were small enough stakes um and they were actually pretty funny and like not gross i think a lot of the times these hijinks get really gross um but i really appreciate that the hijinks in this movie were like she accidentally uses weed butter she um they, the little baby jesus and his mom's uh nativity keeps getting stolen and the one they get from the local hardware store is a duck And a dinosaur. and uh, I
0: enjoyed that running joke. (laughs)
1: That was so good. And I particularly enjoyed the whole gag of her hiding under the covers while his mom is trying to have an emotional talk with him about uh, their relationship. And she just, like, you see her hand sneak out and sneak this croissant. um, And she's just, like, you can see her trying to eat the croissant under the covers. Like, I appreciated that, like, yeah, none of these. I think these movies gags were like really nice. They they weren't gross. They weren't cringy. Um,
2: they were just um, pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, the one the one joke that did not land well for me. Um, So Graham's little sister, Mindy is a lesbian and kudos to the movie for not making that a thing. It's just, you know, they talk about her longtime girlfriend and we find out that they just recently broke up. Um, The one joke that I did not love and she meets another woman over the course of the movie, uh, Quinn, and they start a relationship. And the one joke that I really did not care for was at the very end of the movie When Graham and Allie are reunited, they've been living together in L.A., Graham's family comes to them for Christmas, and Mindy finds out that Graham invited Heather over for the holiday as a weird, like revenge thing for the fact that Mindy stayed friends with Allie when they broke up. I didn't quite understand.
1: Yeah, that seemed like a tack on... How oh, that, that I, was supposed
0: to land?
1: I actually did laugh at that. I mean, I think, the, I think it's supposed to land of like, oh, the cycle's repeating itself. But I think the problem with that one is like, we also had the moment of her whole family being like, oh, you and Heather broke up? Oh, thank God. We can stop pretending to like her. And... Well,
0: uh, and also she brings Quinn with her to Christmas. Yeah. So like she and Quinn have been together now for a year. And
1: although she doesn't know, it was Yeah.
0: Yeah. The if if the dynamic had been the same where like she broke up with Heather and the family was like, Oh, you got like it was similar to Grandma and Ellie, I would have understood better. Exactly. But now I was just like this is weird and awkward. Don't e- do this. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I I think that that was probably just a joke tacked on at the end. Cause yeah, it would have made more sense if they were like, You guys broke up, oh no, we love Heather. Like, oh uh, but yeah, rather than being like, Oh yay! Like, bye Heather. Yeah, so that, that did feel kind of odd. Um I, I I think the potential was there, but yeah, it didn't land, I think, as they intended. Um, just because yeah, they had not set up Heather to be someone that was ingratiated in the family.
2: I also,
0: I was, I, so there's also a polyamory gag in the movie, which I actually think that I liked because it makes Graham the butt of the joke, not the poly couple. Yes. Yes. Like Graham sort of reconnects with a woman that he knew in high school and they go out a little bit and then she invites him home and it becomes clear that she and her roommate have sort of a friends with benefits situation going on and she is inviting him to come uh, home with both of them and he downs a shot and then says nope can't do it and I I think that the joke was actually written artfully enough to make Graham the focus of it rather than um, Danielle and her roommate. But I was wondering what your take on that moment was.
1: No, I agree. I, I think that it was not... That joke was not putting down the... I think that joke was like Graham being mad at himself that he could not... Like, him being like, oh, this would be so cool. Oh, no, I can't. You know, like, I think I think he was, like, yeah, he was not looking down on them. He was looking down on himself. And, like, yeah, I don't think it was, I don't think it was, like, um, oh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Isn't polyamory weird? Yeah, exactly. No, the the joke was, like, Graham,
0: he was in, like, he was in over his head.
1: Yeah, Graham being like, oh, like, and well, and I think the implication, too, is he's still hung up enough on Allie that he's like, oh, this sounds amazing. Oh, I can't do it. Like, I'm being dumb. I can't do this. You know, like, yeah, I think he clearly was like, oh, this would be great. Nope, can't, you know,
2: like. Yeah, the
0: the movie had some very, I thought, forward-thinking moments in it that were not even, like, signposted. It was just, this is part of the fabric of the movie, and I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Me too. Which made the one moment where it didn't all the more baffling. His dad makes a, like, COVID denialism, a random, like, comment of, like, oh, yeah, I don't think COVID is real. That was absolutely baffling yeah. because, yeah, like the rest of the movie kind of quietly has some, you know, like little progressive things in there. Well, and I had a there. moment where
0: I was like, I almost wondered if it was supposed to be a joke, but then nobody follows up on yes. it. Yes! Like if the dad was saying it to be funny, but then they just sort of all go, okay, and move on and no one ever talks about it again.
1: Exactly. Like, they didn't make it clear that the dad was being like, ha-ha.
0: Like, I think it's clear that the movie doesn't think that, but it was such a weird character detail for him.
1: It was. It was. Yeah, that was really, I think, the one kind of off-putting, like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, other than that, yeah, I think this movie did a really nice job of, like, balancing being silly, but not really being mean to any of its characters. Which I think sometimes can be a hard, hard line to toe.
0: Yes. Um, Especially, I I feel like in rom-coms we are frequently asked to be on the side of someone. Like, we are, like... We are asked to be on the side of somebody, and then the other character has to like prove themselves. And I, I didn't feel that way for this movie.
1: No, I think this movie liked all its
2: characters, and I, I
0: deeply understood like being being in the video game industry. Like I, I am a person who is into video games, so I'm I'm aware of like what happens with them and crunch time is awful and ruins lives. Like I was deeply sympathetic to Graham being in this position where he's basically told you have to work up until Christmas and feeling like that, feeling like he has no choice, but to do that. um, I think that is a pretty common ask in the video game industry for people that are in that. Like we have a, like, we have a release date, and we have to get everything done. So, like, this is your life now. Hmm. Um, and I also am very sympathetic to why Allie would not want to not deal with that, but why Allie would be like, I am not your priority. Your job is your priority, and that's not how I want my life to be.
1: Yeah, and i think it's really nice that real it,
0: issues
1: exactly and like that they communicate through it and like this movie actually gives him a minute to be like well this is how i perceive that i perceived me working hard and moving up the ranks quickly as a way to build financial stability for us and like supporting us that way um yeah which i think yeah, this movies like this both one rarely give you both sides like that, but then also two rarely like give you a conversation where it seems like two adults talk through something in um, a healthy way that processes a uh, past conflict. Like that was very nice to see. Yeah, like. I remember-
0: I did get the sense that that was not a conversation that they were able to have when the relationship first ended. Like, this is, this is a conversation they can have after spending some time apart and, like, experiencing emotional growth and retrospection. Um, but that's fine. Like, that's why we get to see it in the movie.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also a a big cornerstone of a second chance romance is like you often I feel like in second chance romances, you either have to have the and so often I think as a trope, they hinge on, oh, here was this past commu- miscommunication and only if so-and-so had gotten this message well and I I read a lot of historical so it's often oh if only so-and-so had gotten this letter that their parents cruelly hid from them or something <laughs> like that you know like I think it so often relies on like poor communication or um you know an inability to communicate for whatever reason uh and then like yeah so often I think that that part of like reestablishing that communication, like processing what had happened before, um, can often be missing in second chance romances. Cause yeah, I think it's often either, um, you know, they get kind of glossed over, or one party has to like grovel for the whole book, um, or movie. You know, I think it's like always like one person did the dumb thing that led to the breakup and then it's like a grovel situation which don't get me wrong I love seeing listen second chance romance is like my catnip trope like I auto I was just
0: about to ask where you where you stood on the second chance romance oh yeah They're, they're your jam
1: oh yeah no they're my auto read like anytime I see in a description second chance romance cool I'm there like I will read that um so, I am I am probably a little too well versed in the uh in the genre <laughs> or in the trope, I should say, in the subgenre. Um, but yeah, I think this was really nice in that it both, you know, made clear what the issues have been before, but then also explicitly let us and and that like the issues came from both sides and then it explicitly let us see that repair um without feeling like either you know you wanted to scream for like oh my god how could you be this dumb that you let this earlier miscommunication happen um or yeah not having to just see groveling which again in the right amount i think is is um very fun to read or watch but Sometimes I've definitely read books where I've been like, "Oh my God, we get it. He feels like he did wrong. He feels like he's a piece of crap who doesn't deserve her. Got it. We don't need 200 pages of that." Um, so I think yeah, I think this movie threaded that needle of second chance romance very nicely.
0: Fabulous. Well, what would you recommend to our listeners to enjoy? Uh after they've watched Exmos.
1: Yeah, so I would recommend uh for both plot and setting reasons, uh You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hoggle, Um which is about uh Naomi and Nicholas who basically have realized that they're an engaged couple um who have realized that uh their relationship um has really kind of died uh, and they've got this lavish wedding planned in a few months. And so they basically are each trying to prank the other into canceling it um, to be the one who gives so that they have to pay <laughs> like literally pay money. Um, so yeah, they, they are trying to manipulate the other into breaking up with them. Um, and it takes place in Wisconsin. Um, there is also a shout out to a small town near my hometown in Minnesota, where apparently the main character drives to or something. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's very funny, um, and I think also threads the needle well of like, making us understand why their relationship, uh, faltered, uh, and then also kind of them working through, um working through the rebooting of their relationship. So You Deserve Each Other uh, by Sarah Hoggle. Uh, Martha, what would you recommend?
0: Uh, so I am going more in the Christmas direction for my recommendation than I am for The Second Chance Romance, although this has a whisper of that as well. Um, I am going to recommend the book A Merry Little Meat Cute by Julie Murphy and Sierra Simone. Uh, This is a spicy little Christmas romance novel about uh, B. Hobbs, who is a plus-size adult film star who takes a job on a Christmas movie for the Hallmark rip-off Hope Movie Channel. Uh, And her co-star is a former childhood crush and now ex-boyband member seeking career rehab. Uh, who also then recognizes B from her OnlyFans account on the set. So it is uh, shenanigans as the two of them kind of rekindle this flame and try to keep their romance under wraps from the movie, uh, the movie studio who has a very clean image to maintain, um, and also the press that comes sniffing around on uh, both of these. Both of these stars who have sort of scandal in their, in their pasts. Um, it is very cute. It is very spicy uh, and it's very festive. So that is my, that is my recommendation for people. And I believe it has a sequel out as well. Ooh. So if you like the first one, there's more where that came from. So that is going to do it for us for Xmas. Uh, join us again in a couple of weeks when we uh, return to discuss the 2022 adaptation of a Sarah Dessen YA novel, Along for the Ride, uh, which is available to you now streaming on Netflix. Uh, If that is not soon enough for you, remember that we also have our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework?, which drops on the same feed on alternating release dates. And our next episode is going to be our giant best of 2023. Uh, Did You Do Your Homework as a podcast I co-host with Maren's husband, Pete. We have a lot of fun. Our last episode was a giant uh, Hayao Miyazaki retrospective in light of his newest release, The Boy and the Heron. Uh, You can check out all of our socials at DYDYH Podcast. We are currently most active on Twitter and Blue Sky. Um... And uh, every so often I update that Facebook page. So, you know, check us out (laughs) everywhere. uh, You can find social media accounts. Uh, You can find me at all the places at Magical Martha, uh, including Blue Sky mostly, Twitter sometimes, Letterboxd always. Uh, And I'm also on TikTok where I share videos of my guinea pigs. uh, And the username for that is... The Libratrix, T-H-E-B-R-I-T-R-I-X. Maren, where can people find you? Um,
1: Folks can find me on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, where I basically only tweet about romance novels these days. So if that interests you at all, feel free to give me a follow.
0: Uh, I also am just going to slide this last uh, plug in. I have been writing a newsletter on Tiny Letter. Tiny Letter is going away, so I have to decide what I want to do, uh, where I want to move the uh, kind of long-form, random media thoughts that I have, uh, where I would like that to live. I have been writing about watching all of the Disney animated canon that I've been watching in uh, release order. So if that interests you, I believe until the end of the month, you can still find that at tinyletter.com at backslash Magical Martha. And at some point, I will decide where I want to move that endeavor to. Because sometimes I have long thoughts that cannot be contained uh, in a tweet or on a podcast. So stand by for more news on that. Uh, That is going to do it for us tonight. Maren, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, We will be back in a couple of weeks. And just remember that we love you. right. I I am going to go and probably rest my head for a while.
1: Good. Well, I hope you get a lot of rest. I hope you feel better soon.
0: Thank you. Me too. I'm hoping this is, I'm hoping this is quick.